Welcome back to the BC Buckets podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University Basketball. This is Matt Gall, joined here with Coach Mark Figuera on Zoom. I think we're finally getting this recorded after several technical difficulties on my end of things. So I have to apologize to Mark and to our guest, Connor Groves, who's going to be joining us here in just a minute. But I think we got this working again, Coach. Thanks for your patience. Hey, man, you know, technology is awesome until it doesn't work sometimes. That's right. Yep. Well, and you know, I've been having to rely on technology to watch you guys play this season, but I did have an opportunity to get back into the Newman Flanagan Center on Wednesday, which was kind of nice, kind of nice to sit in the stands for once. I, uh, just being in the gym, watching you guys play in person, kind of brought some real life or some normalcy back. It was kind of nice watching you guys on Wednesday and what turned out to be kind of a heavyweight match, just a boxing match of punch after punch. Yeah, I tell you what, it's, uh, it is nice to have some people in the stands. You know, we've been on on both ends of it with no fans, just a few fans. You know, we played a couple places with a lot of fans, but we are fortunate that we're able to have a, a decent crowd. And the nice thing about the Flanagan Center is even at 25% capacity, the place still gets pretty loud um, after a big play. And so it, it is nice to have fans in the stands, no doubt about it. So I alluded to the game on Wednesday night against Northwestern and, uh, you know, that was – the women's game was a great game, kind of back and forth the whole way. And then that same kind of feel carried over into your game where I don't know that anyone really got out to a lead beyond maybe six points for the entirety of the game until, you know, we were under 10 minutes. Um, it just seemed like you'd stretch it up to six. They'd respond. They'd go up by a few. You'd respond uh, just back and forth and back and forth. I mean, it was definitely an entertaining basketball game. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you paid to get in, you got your money's worth on Wednesday night. And, you know, it's a game. First, I, I mean, I, I have to say we played really well, in my opinion. We did some really, really good things. Certainly disappointed that, you know, in the end we, we couldn't get it done, especially in a game that I think we felt like we controlled for a good 28, 32 minutes of it. And that is frustrating to lose games that way. But I think uh, there was a lot of positives we took from that and some some glaring things that we we needed to address and work on too but that was the first time in a in a handful of games where I think our offense was really really rolling with some rhythm and some timing and, and the spacing we wanted to play with and at the end of the day when you when you force a team to switch their defense because they're having a hard time guarding you that's you know, a compliment to your offense and I, I thought our guys did a really really good job executing what we wanted to do on Wednesday night and when it came down to it, you know, we missed a couple open shots down the stretch and just couldn't get a couple stops that we really needed to get and, and ended up dropping the game. But I, I think you said it that was a great game. It's uh, Northwestern's a really good team. And, and I think despite some struggles we've had, I think we're a really good team. And I think throughout this week, we, we proved that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you proved it Saturday night. That's for sure. Uh, when Concordia came in and they came in undefeated in the GPAC, certainly they wanted to keep it that way. But uh, I think we played one of the most complete games of the year, um, both offensively and, and defensively made stops when we needed to, especially in the second half. I think you guys went on like a 12 point run or something early in the second half to basically set the tone the rest of the way um, and got the lead. I, I think the lead pushed 20 um, and you closed. It was nice to see a full 40 minute effort, you know, and, and, 
I think that's what's been one of the struggles early in the season is playing a good, you know, 30, 35 minutes, but not a full 40. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And, you know, at halftime, we were down a point. And I think in our locker room, we were probably disappointed and, and felt like maybe that should have been a seven or eight point lead. We had a couple pretty big breakdowns, whether it was rebounding or execution on a switch, uh, you know, that led to some pretty easy points for Concordia. Um, and at the same time, we had talked to our guys for a couple of days leading up to that game that, you know, as coaches, we thought Concordia was a team that just really played with high intensity and never really let up throughout a game. And so we wanted to make sure that we set the tone in the second half and we wanted to be a little bit more aggressive defensively. And we came out, we forced a ton of turnovers in the second half. Uh, you mentioned, I think it was a 13-0 run we went on. Um, it was 41-41. I think it was 54-41 to at the end of our quick run there. And again, you know, just like Wednesday, I thought our guys executed our offensive stuff at a pretty high level. Um, we've tried to, you know, simplify things a little bit um, offensively. And now I think the guys are, are seeing the benefits of doing that. And on top of it all, it came down to our defense, and, and there were certainly some flaws. We did not do a very good job of, of rebounding defensively yesterday. But I think on the flip side of that, we, we scored 43 points off 23 turnovers we forced. And if we're able to do that, we're going to have the opportunity to win a lot of basketball games moving forward. We're going to talk to Connor Groves here in a minute. But, you know, he had 23. I think Hoyt had 22. Um, and we've talked about that before, just how, how it's a luxury to have so many weapons. But – you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask Connor his thoughts here in a minute, but I'm, I'm just curious on your thoughts. At what point in a game like that, like yesterday, um, can you just tell that the guys are feeling it, especially from beyond the arc? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, we, we hit a couple threes early, and that's usually a good sign for us. Um, and it's usually a good sign when, when multiple guys hit a three early in the game. And I know right off the bat, I know Connor and Nick both made one real early yesterday. And that's generally going to be a good precursor to good things offensively for us. And, you know, you mentioned the balance and, you know, that can go game to game for us. But at times, like yesterday, it can go half to half. You know, Hoyt had 18 points at halftime on six threes. And, you know, Connor ended the game with 23. But I think he only maybe had seven of those in the first half. So he had a big second half. And when the defense shifts to, you know, focus on one guy, we've got plenty of others that can step up and, you know, Jaden Klein-Hesslink had a really good game as well. He had 19 points. And, and Quentin Bassa, as we've talked about before, he facilitates our offense a lot. And in, in two games this past week, he had 15 assists and, and only three turnovers, I believe. So he's done a really good job. So he didn't score a ton yesterday like he did Wednesday night. But in terms of getting our offense going and getting the ball moving, he does a really, really good job. Yeah, he's a guy who, you know, no matter where he's at on the court, can hurt you in a lot of different ways. And his passing ability on top of his ability to be a threat from outside and his ability to drive the lane, I think he had that nice baseline dunk too. I mean, he can beat you in so many ways with or without the ball. What a weapon. You know, I, I don't yeah, know that. I really yeah, saw yeah. that last year. And, and he's really, you know, turned into an important player. Yeah, he has. And, I, you know, he was on the podcast a few weeks back. And I said this then, and I'll say it again. You know, he, he's doing now kind of what I hoped he would do when we recruited him um, a couple of years back. And, you know, the first couple of years he didn't play a ton for us. 
something's clicked with him and, and he's really playing at a high level for us. And, and obviously we're going to hope that continues the rest of the season. Well, you've got a big week this week, uh, two more conference games coming up Wednesday and Saturday, which is, you know, your typical conference schedule here. Uh, but probably the game that's most anticipated, at least uh, on my calendar, is Wednesday night when Morningside comes back to town. And, you know, I think a lot of people will think back to the last time that they came to our building, uh, which was a pretty fun night. Um, you know, when we took them down when they were ranked number one last year, they're coming back ranked number seven uh, in the NAIA poll. And of course, you know, the, the two divisions combined this year. So, you know, that's, that means a pretty good ball team's coming in uh, this Wednesday. They're eight and one, four and one in the conference. They had an early loss to Jamestown, but uh, you know, as they typically do, they reload uh, with a lot of talent when they lose guys uh, like with, they had Borchers graduate last year, but they have a lot of guys kind of filling those gaps. So, you know, Morningside Wednesday night, it's going to be a fun time. Um, I'm sure there'll be, you know, a pretty ramped up crowd, no matter how many number of people that is. What are you guys, you know, looking forward to in terms of when they come back into the building? Well, you know, Matt, it's just a fun rivalry. It's a fun game to be a part of. And it's something, you know, I usually talk to our guys once or twice a year about how lucky we are to, to play in some big rivalries. You know, last Wednesday was no different playing Northwestern. And now Morningside a week later, it's the same thing. It's just going to be a fun environment. You know, very rarely, I mean, this is my 10th year at Briarcliff. There's been very, very few blowouts in this series. It's usually a close game that's going to come down to the last couple of minutes. And, and I think that's really fun. And, and Morningside, you said they have a good team. Uh, they're big. They're physical. Um, they have multiple weapons. They're going to play into their post a lot. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those games where after, you know, like I said, we had a really good week last week and, you know, definitely feel like we could have gone 2-0. and We went 1-1, and had a great win yesterday. And now, you know, our challenge is to keep pushing forward. Don't be content with, with playing a really good game yesterday. We have to keep, you know, preparing ourselves to, to play at a high level. And I'm going to go back to last week. I know we're talking about moving forward, but – after Thanksgiving, we talked to the guys a lot about the biggest thing we thought we had to do to, to get better was to be a more consistent practice team. And, you know, leading up to the last couple of games, I thought we had really, really good practices. And now to see that pay off on the floor is a good thing. And it's something that for us to continue playing well, we have to continue practicing well. And so we're going to spend the next couple of days, obviously, getting ready for Morningside. Um, but making sure we're focused on ourselves and, and doing everything we need to do too. I know we've talked about this before, and I, you know, I get the sense you're not a huge bulletin board material guy, but how much do you think that late season loss to you guys last year has carried over into how they're looking at this game, if at all? I mean, I can't speak for Morningside. Um, my guess would be not much. You know, you look at the two teams, there's a lot of guys that played in that game that aren't, you know, aren't going to be here Wednesday night. And it's, it's two completely different teams, and it's a different season. You know, they may have guys that think about it a little bit, but, you know, it's not something we're going to talk about with our guys. I, I know that. Well, and then uh, Saturday, you guys will make the trip to Midland. And we've had a lot of uh, stories on this podcast about trips to Midland. It seems like it's a pretty memorable place to go play. Has always been a, a pretty fun opponent. They seem to always have a guy who can 
put up 45 on a given night. It seems like every year they just have somebody that can kill us. But this year, you know, they're struggling a little bit, three and seven, one and six in the G pack um, with some competitive losses. I mean, I think they played Morningside pretty close, played Dort pretty close. So, you know, again, it's kind of a broken record thing. Yeah. But you can't really overlook anybody in this league. So, no. and I know you aren't probably looking that far ahead, but, you know, how do you come off of an emotional game one way or the other, an emotional rivalry game, and then get ready for, you know, another game the following three days? Well, I, I think it's it's the mentality you have. And, and anytime you, you finish a game, whether you win or lose, you know, you need to learn from mistakes that were made. You need to take positives that were there, but you have to move on. And, you know, Midland's a place, like you said, we, we've had some tough games there. Um, we lost there a year ago. And, you know, they're a team, in some ways they're similar to us. A lot of guards, shoot a lot of threes, play fast, move the ball. You know, so in some ways it, it's going to be a little bit like playing ourselves. But, uh, you know, the thing is we've got to take them one at a time and, and continue to build momentum um, from what we did this past week. All right. So uh, Wednesday night at home against Morningside, uh, women will play at six. The men will play at 8 o'clock. Women, they've been rolling. I know they dropped that game to Northwestern, but had a nice win against Concordia. So, you know, that, that'll be a fun game, too, uh, with them playing at 6. You guys playing at 8. I assume tickets will kind of work the same way this week as they did last week. Yeah, tickets are sold out for the Morningside game already. So there you go. So make sure you catch that game online. Uh, just go to the Briarcliff Athletic website. You'll be able to find it there. And then uh, Midland will be Saturday. That's an away game down in Fremont, Nebraska. So, uh, yep, you know, and you'll, you'll want to catch that one online too because they are not allowing visiting fans um, at Midland as of now. There you go. So, order a pizza or something, uh, get that game, get your laptop hooked up to the big screen, whatever you need to do. But uh, those are definitely two games you're not going to want to miss. All right. So, with that, let's go ahead and bring in our guest for this week. And uh, it's a guy we talked about earlier in the podcast today when we were talking about the, the big game he had against Concordia, and that's sophomore Connor Groves. And uh, Connor, you know, great game yesterday, 23 points, um, good win against a good GPAC team. You know, I asked Coach a little bit about this, but is there a point where you kind of know that you're feeling it from the three-point line? Or, you know, can you is it true, you know, that shooting is contagious? And was there a point where you just could tell that you and – the guys around you are just going to have a good night. Um, yeah, I, uh, I agree with what coach said earlier about um, getting the early looks. Um, you know, that always helps throughout the game. So the early looks, I mean, I mean, it's a good chance they're going to be falling late in the game too. And uh, I also agree that shooting is contagious. Uh, you know, once a couple of teammates make some threes and then you have more confidence to step in there and, get, and make your shot too. So, and uh, obviously we definitely showed that in the game last night. Now we've got Morningside coming up Wednesday. You know, you're a local guy. So you've, you know, you've been familiar with this rivalry for a long time. You've probably been to a number of Briarcliff Morningside games, you know, even before coming up to the cliff. So, you know, what is this rivalry with Morningside? How do you, how do you approach that? Is there any different approach to a rival like Morningside where there might be, you know, a little bit more of, a, of an emotional edge with it in terms of wanting to get out there and, and get those guys more than any other opponent? Or do you approach the preparation the same way you would anybody? Um, I would say there's a little bit different approach. Um, rivalry game, always exciting, always fun to be a part of. Um, yeah, uh, the Brightcliff Morningside rivalry is, is a great one. And, uh, you know, last year we uh, 
we got them at our place. And that was probably one of the best experiences I've ever had here. Um, that was one of the best feelings ever winning the game against number one Morningside team. And uh, just looking forward to uh, the the crowd, um, even though it's cut down due to COVID. But, you know, there's going to be – it's already sold out. It's sold out very quickly. Um, just that – just knowing that there are so many people that want to come attend this game and watch us play, um, it's, it's just a great feeling. We talk about, you know, how it's a rivalry game and, and uh, you know, how it means something maybe more than, than other games. But one thing we've talked about in past years, too, is just how much respect there is, too, between the two programs and how a lot of you guys know each other, uh, probably played with each other or against each other in high school. So, you know, that's something that's unique in a rivalry game where you're dealing with two schools in a city that's our size. It's a heated rivalry, and you want to win that game. But – if you, if you haven't really looked at it from the inside, you know, there's a ton of respect there and a lot of people know each other. So how do you, I mean, do you stay in touch with any of those guys, you know, throughout the season? And is there any trash talk or anything that goes on leading up to this game? Um, I wouldn't say any trash talk. Um, I've played against a numerous of those guys in high school. Um, you know, I'll run into them in town, whether it's at, uh, at church or just anywhere in the public, I'll, I'll run into them every once in a while. And uh, I'm, I'm close to some of them. Um, they're great guys, and I get along with them very well. And, uh, you know, it's just a different aspect when you get onto the court with them. Um, you know, you're trying to win the basketball game instead of just being friends at the time. But, uh, you know, I, I have all the respect for every single guy on that team. With so many guys on the team who can score it, and there's a lot of guys who seem to want the ball in key situations which is a great trait to have. Uh, and we're fortunate that we have a lot of good, those guys. You seem like one of those guys. Um, with, you know, with a lot of dudes who have that competitive edge, does that competitive nature carry over into practice or into the dorms or anything like that um, with the guys on your team, whether it's either on the basketball court or, you know, played Madden or anything like that? How competitive do you get with your teammates? You know, we've had a couple of competitive practices. Um, but, um, you know, when it comes to the dorm room, uh, I, we kind of just let that fall off. Um, we'll get into some arguments. Um, we, for some reason, we think it's fun to argue about, uh, LeBron James and Michael Jordan on which one's better. And there's no answer to that, but we just think. Yes, there is. <laughs> we think it's entertaining to, uh, just put our input in and, you know, but other than that, like when it comes to basketball and practice and stuff, we kind of just, uh, let that fall off and. Um, just enjoy our time together and when it comes to practice and stuff and we get after it and get after each other so now when you say there's no answer to that question the the Jordan versus LeBron question is that a political answer is that just is that just not wanting to be polarizing here or is that just you know do you have philosophical reasons that you just can't compare the two I, I just think they can't be compared we both have great reasons on why we think which one's better but uh, at the end of the day, we just keep arguing back and forth, and we keep going back to the same fact that we just stated. So then we never really get a final answer. <laughs> well, Coach, you seem to disagree there. Yeah, it's not even an argument. Michael Jordan's the greatest player of all time. I got yeah, nothing I wonder, else to say about it, Matt. I, w I wonder what the generational thing plays into that, too, if you were to survey people. But I agree with you. But that's, you know, that's when we grew up. So, and we'll never get to see it. I mean, we maybe someday they just had the, you know, Mike Tyson just boxed uh, Roy Jones Jr. this last weekend. So maybe in like 20 years, we can get a pay-per-view of 70-year-old uh, Michael Jordan playing 
58-year-old LeBron James in a one-on-one -on -one game or something like that. I'd pay 30 bucks to watch that. Yeah, that'd be something. I don't think it'd be uh, all that entertaining because they're both going to lose their athleticism by that time, Matt. But, uh, you know, there is an answer. It's Jordan, and it's, it's really not that close either. So, Coach, I'm going to ask you a question about Connor here. You know, he's a sophomore this year. Um, you know, it's a big jump between sophomore year and freshman year. Freshman year, you, you don't ha have a, you know, very good idea going on. You're just trying to learn the lay of the land. Sophomore year, you kind of know what's expected of you at this point. On top of having a responsibility to bring in the guys below, what kind of jump have you seen Connor Groves make uh, from his freshman year to his sophomore year? Well, you know, Connor's situation's a little different, and I, I think he made that jump during last season, honestly. You know, if, if, you, if you look back to the start of last year, Connor and, and Nick Hoyt both were in similar situations. At the beginning of the year, they, they were playing for us off the bench, you know, regularly, not huge minutes, but both playing. And then because of some injuries, you know, we threw those guys both into much bigger roles than they had played early in the year. And I think the back half of the season, Connor started about every game for us and, and had some really big games in there. You know, so I, I don't know that that jump necessarily happened in the off season or into this season. I think it happened about mid season last year. And, you know, for Connor, he, he was, he was fortunate being a local kid that he was with us in the summer before that freshman year. So I think he had a, a head start on a lot of other guys in terms of knowing what was going on, um, getting to know some of the, the other players that were here. And so he was, he was just ready to go from the get-go. And, you know, this year, for the most part, we, we've asked Connor to, to play the sixth man role for us, which, you know, that's a, that's a, a role that's going to play starter minutes. And, and he's had a really good year. You know, like, like a lot of our guys had a couple game stretch there where didn't shoot the ball very well, but, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful now that we've we've kind of kicked that in the last couple of games. We've really shot it well. And the only thing about Connor is when he gets it going, you know, his confidence soars and, and he's capable of, of putting up 23, 29 points in a hurry. And that, that's really what happened in the second half yesterday um, is that he showed that. Connor, was there a piece of your game that you wanted to focus on between your freshman year and this year in the offseason? Um, yeah. Um offensively wasn't really the problem and that's always something I've really focused on and uh, I've been pretty well at but uh, definitely defense um, I wasn't really a great defender in high school and my last freshman year wasn't the greatest either but that's something I really emphasized on the offseason and especially this year is uh, just on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah and if you look at that Matt I think it's paid off you know we're nine games in now and Connor leads us in steals and you know, he and I have talked a lot about, you know, it's not the one-on-one -on -one defense that, that's his forte. He's not a bad defender by any stretch, but I think Connor has an, a knack to make plays off the ball and, you know, getting steals and all that, that, that's kind of his game. And he's done a really, really good job of that. And yesterday was no exception. I think he had two more steals yesterday. So one thing I wanted to ask you about, Connor, is that, you know, you graduated from, from Sergeant Bluff. Um, and the last, I don't know, five years, maybe more, they've just had an incredible run athletically in a, in a number of sports. I mean, they just, there were some dudes in your class and 
the classes ahead of you and, and immediately behind you. You know, how, how do you feel like coming from a culture in high school um, where winning was just so inherent <laughs> into almost everything you guys did? You know, how do you feel like that uh, maybe gives you a different perspective or look at taking your game to the college level than maybe someone who was a stud but maybe didn't have all the team success in high school? Uh, yeah, the team success in high school definitely um, it definitely pays off and shows in the long run. Um, you know, it was it was amazing being a part of every single team I was on, basketball, track, and football. Um, we were successful in every single one of those. And uh, it was just fun being around. And really, it really got me prepared for the, at the college level. Um, you know, there's a lot more than just winning a competition. But um, you're there to win the game, though. And uh, I really learned that throughout high school. And our coach did a great job of, uh, you know, preparing us and, getting us ready for each and every game and then not even every single game in the moment, but in the long run for the college level too. So along those lines, you know, Connor, is there a game that sticks out in your high school career uh, that's the most memorable for you or one where you felt like, you know, you had it going maybe more than any other game? Um, yes. Um, my uncle coached at Sioux City East and uh, it was my last time, my senior year, but my last time ever playing at Sioux City East and uh, I've never won there before. And, uh, and in fact, they just tweeted the other day that they're 47 and three in the last 50 games at home. So uh, you can see they don't lose at home very often. And uh, my last game, my senior year there, um, I hit five threes in the first half and I, I ended up with like around 29, 30 points. Um, but that was definitely my favorite game. Uh, the environment was, it was crazy. There were so many people, they were so loud. And that was just a great game to be a part of. And I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I was at that game. That was a fun game. Um, so, Connor, I know the answer to this because you and I have talked about it numerous times over the last few years, but being a guy growing up in Sioux City and, you know, you had a lot of people recruit you for, for multiple sports, honestly, and you ended up staying in Sioux City. What's that been like for you, just playing in front of your family and, and you know, people that watched you play in high school can continue to watch you play in college? What's that been like through a year and a half here? Uh, personally, I think it's been a blessing um, having the support behind me. Um, you know, being able to have family come to my game support me, uh, it really means a lot. And uh, not just my family. Um, there's friends that are texting me um, before each game, like, hey, can I get a ticket? Like, can I uh, come watch whatever? And, uh, you know, just, just the thought of them thinking about me and um, trying to support me. Uh, really means a lot and helps me, uh, you know, move along with basketball. And it's just a great feeling to have those people behind me. This is something I know that you and I talked about in the recruiting process, but uh, my personality and the way I coach is definitely different than your high school coach, Coach Vanderskaff, who's done a heck of a job at Sergeant Bluff. Um, what, what was the biggest difference? And, and you knew it was coming, but what, what was the biggest difference going from Coach Vanderscab in high school to myself when you got to college. Um, you know, yeah, Coach Vanderscab. He uh, not on the yelling side of things. He raised his voice every once in a while, but it was nothing like you. Um, you know, it's it's just uh, I didn't have that much different adapting to it. Um, I've been yelled at by my football coach in high school a lot. Um, he, I would say, very similar to how you coach, but um, you know. Just uh, I've kind of just like 
it got to the point where I just kind of throw that to the side. And, uh, you know, obviously you're doing it for a reason. Um, that's the most important part is just trying to make me a better player, better person. Um, so, yeah, um, last Wednesday, Northwestern, Chris Kroll, he was my high school teammate my sophomore year. Um, his parents were there, and I went over and talked to him. And that was one of the first questions he asked, actually. His dad, uh, he's like, uh, yeah, so I can see uh, your coach now is a lot different than Coach Vanderstaff. staff. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And, uh, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten used to it. And, uh, you know, and uh, as long as I remember that it's for the better reason. Then. Coach, this is more for you because we ask a lot about – we ask the guys, you know, <laughs> what's it like playing for a coach with your style. But, you know, from your point of view, when you're – you know, laying into the team for whatever it is, you know, what, what kind of reactions are you expecting out of them? You know, are you expecting head nods in, in the immediacy or do you just expect, you know, to see the corrections made? I mean, what, from your point of the question, you know, I've never really asked you, but what do you, what do you expect the response to be? You know, when, when you get intense with the team, what type of qualities do you see out of the response of the guys? Um, you know, I think one is, you know, and I, I think Connor's right on. There's a reason for it. And, you know, the, the biggest reason is there's just a certain standard and expectation within the program at Briarcliff. And if, if we're not living up to that or we're not meeting that standard, then I'm, I'm going to get fired up about it. And whether that's you know, a defensive possession, whether it's a run in a game that we're not responding to the right way, they're going to hear about it. And, you know, in a perfect world, I just want to, I just want the eye contact on me and I want the guys to go fix it. And, you know, certainly there, there's times in games that get heated and, you know, there's times where a guy might have a question or, or want clarity on what I'm looking for. But, uh, you know, I think we have a group of guys right now that are that are pretty dialed in and, and ready to make whatever adjustments we need to make to uh, to put ourselves in a better situation. And I, I think we started to show that this past week and, you know, need to continue showing that going forward. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I asked that, you know, Wednesday night, that's one thing I was really kind of watching just because I've never really paid too much attention to it. But what I noticed is almost universally, if not universally, you know, heads were nodding eyes were on you and I think for people outside who maybe aren't used to that sort of style you know they might wonder you know is this what's going on how is he getting through to these guys but you know I think when you're dealing with a bunch of competitive guys who have a coach who's just as competitive you know I think that seems to really translate into these players and so that's what I was going to ask you Connor is how, you know, how do those, and I guess you've kind of addressed this a little bit, but, you know, how does that energy carry over uh, into you, you know, as you're coming right out of a timeout? Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it just opens our eyes a little bit. Um, you know, if he's, obviously, if he's getting a little heated and stuff, um, there's something that we need to fix, whether it's going to be um, rebounding. Um, I know that's been, been a couple cases this year or uh, we've had trouble rebounding and we needed to clean that up. And, uh, you know, just whatever the case may be throughout the game, I think that when he emphasizes what he what we need to do and uh, what we need to fix, I think that, like you said, the guys are 
dialed in and we uh we really try to adapt to what he's saying and fix the problem and i would say too on top of it matt is you know i have a lot of trust in my relationships with the players and you know connor and his talk a lot of other guys and i've had this talk you know sometimes you just gotta brush it aside i think connor said that a little bit earlier. you just gotta brush it aside and hear the message and not so much the tone of it and, and just go play but at the same time you know i've known connor for a long time he's only a sophomore but i feel like i've been recruiting connor since he was a sophomore in high school and I have a lot of trust in our relationship that, you know, I can yell at Connor and he's not going to take it personally. He's not going to, you know, curl up in a ball and, and not be able to function on the court. And if I didn't have that, I, I wouldn't yell at him. And if I didn't have that with the team, I want to yell at him. And if I didn't trust that, you know, the guys can respond the way we want to respond, I wouldn't do it. And, you know, that's just we have great dudes in the program and, and having great relationships with them is, is what makes my job fun at the end of the day. So, Connor, my last question for you here before we get into uh, starting five and life rules and all that is, you know, as a local guy um, coming to Briarcliff, what would you tell, you know, other local recruits about staying home, you know, and, and looking at a, a college career? here in Sioux City at, you know, at a smaller college. Like I said, Sergeant Bluff has had a lot of success. seems like they've had guys going all over the place to different uh, schools to play a lot of different sports. Um, what would you tell local recruits about looking at Brad Cliff as an opportunity? Uh, when it comes down to it, I would tell them that this is probably one of the best decisions I've made personally. Um, you know, and we talked about earlier with the, the family support, um, that, that's a big part of it, too, um, just having the support behind me with my family being close to me and uh, being able to travel and watch the games uh, in town and uh, friends also. Um, you know, I think it's just I think it's just a great thing um, being close to home and having the support behind you. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, let's get into our starting five here. And, you know, we've got Morningside coming up on Wednesday, like we've talked about. <laughs> Uh, I can remember back to a lot of memorable Morningside Briar Cliff games over the course of the last 20 years plus that I've been to, even way back into the days where they were playing in the Sioux City Auditorium, the old auditorium, back when uh, Morningside was, uh, wasn't an NAIA school. But, you know, they're coming in. It, it may very well be another classic rivalry game. So uh, what we'll do for the starting five this week is, Coach, let's hear your starting five for your most memorable games while you've been here at Briarcliff. And then, Connor, uh, you know, since you kind of just got into your sophomore year here, we'll open the, uh, the options up for you a little bit, and we'll go top five most memorable games that you've played in, either in high school or in college. All right. Well, I'm going to jump in and start, Matt. And uh, as a disclaimer for this particular starting five, I am intentionally omitting all national tournament games that we've been a part of because otherwise there are five national tournament games because those games are awesome. And, you know, we've been fortunate. We've won a lot of those in, in my time here. So I'm going to keep those out um, and go to basically regular season or, or conference tournament games. And starting at the point guard, which is it's probably the most memorable game we've had in my time here. And it was a 2016 GPAC tournament championship game against Nebraska Wesleyan. It was probably – no, it was definitely the biggest crowd I've ever seen in the Flanagan Center. 
we were down a lot of the game. We were down double figures in the second half and came back and ended up winning. And uh, just an unbelievable atmosphere. Uh, you know, student section rushes the court after the game. And, you know, the funny thing is, it's in the grand scheme of it, it was a game that didn't mean a lot other than who got the, the tournament plaque because we had already won the regular season. We were going to go to the national tournament. And Nebraska Wesleyan had already secured a bid for the national tournament. And so it was just a game of – of pride basically and and the team we had that year was so dialed in and so focused that even though it was going to have no impact on anything they wanted to go win it and they found a way and that that game was really really fun I gotta um, jump in on that one because I don't think I've talked about this on before that game's come up before but that was a game I've talked about you know wanting to just flip the table over getting into it as a fan more than a scorekeeper at the time but I was talking trash on Twitter with Nebraska Wesleyan fans during the game as I'm sitting there trying to keep score in this uh, insane back-and-forth basketball game. I, looking back, that probably wasn't the best thing to be doing ethically or professionally, but I, I couldn't help myself. It was such a, a crazy environment that night. Yeah, it was awesome. In, in fact, there's still a couple clips from that game that, you know, we, we show videos to recruits, and we still use that game um, because the crowd was so wild and there were so many big plays down the stretch. In fact, Coach Forbes um, had the final go-ahead basket with under a minute to go. And, I mean, I, th I thought the roof was going to blow off the Flanagan Center that night. Um, so that, that, that's my starting point guard. I'm going to go to my, my post player, which I'm going to say is my, my second most memorable game at Briar Cliff. And I, we got to go all the way back to the 2011-2012 season. That was my first year as an assistant at Briar Cliff. And uh, we had had a good start to the year. We were ranked in the top 20, I believe. Um, had a couple tough losses, but, you know, had some really big wins too. And right before Christmas, we played Dort at the Flanagan Center. And they were number two in the country and 15-0 and at the time. And uh, we ended up beating them by 15, 18 points. And that, that was a really fun game, very memorable as well. And then uh, my other three, my three wing players, I'm going to say – 2016-17 at Northwestern, which would have been when Coach Forbes was a senior for us, and Eric Erdman and Jay Wolf were sophomores. We went up to Northwestern. They had whooped us early in the year at, at home, and we went up and returned the favor in Orange City, and, and Eric Erdman had 41, Jay Wolf had 25, and I think those guys missed two shots between them, and we just won going away. That was a really, really fun game. Um, and then my other two wing players, you know, last year beating Morningside here was really fun. You know, just under the circumstances, we had had a rough stretch, had a big win earlier that week. And, you know, just a complete 40-minute team effort to beat the number one team in the country was, was really, really awesome. And my final spot here, I'm going to say that kind of an underrated, probably underappreciated one in the grand scheme of things. But I'm going to go back to the 14-15 season. We were good. We weren't great. The whole second half of the year, we just kind of knew we were on the bubble of whether or not we were going to play and make in the national tournament. And we played Nebraska Wesleyan in the first round of the conference tournament, just kind of knowing that if we had any chance to make it, we had to win that game. And they had beaten us a couple of weeks earlier down in Lincoln. And we came out and, and beat them by about 25 points. And it was just a game where, you know, after that, we weren't sure. But 
I think we could breathe a sigh of relief and, and feel pretty decent that we were going to make the national tournament that year. And, and that's, that's a credit to the team that night that, that with all that pressure, they went out and, and got the job done. So that's my starting five. A lot of great ones to choose from. I could, you know, I could put together three or four different starting fives. That would be a heck of a tournament with this category. God, it's amazing how, as you talk about some of those, cause I was at a lot of those games. Um, how the time kind of just blurs all together. Cause I mean, you're talking about 14 or 15 or 15 and 16 and those all feel like they happen like within the last two or three years. It's just incredible how uh, quickly time goes by. All right, Connor. So let's hear it. I, I know you talked about uh, your game at East. So I, I'm wondering if that's going to make it onto the list, but let's hear your most, uh, your top five most memorable games that you've played in. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to start backwards. I'm going to start with the number five. Um, I'll just simply put the Concordia game last night there at number five. Um, that was a great win. I mean, they're undefeated, and that was a great feeling to beat them. And uh, they, that would have been their 13 straight pack win. So it was great just to, you know, knock them off and break through Twitter a little bit. But I go with number four um, last year during that stretch um, where we played Morningside and Mount Marty and Dakota Westland. Um, I think that number four would be the Dakota West Sun game. Um, you know, we had a really good stretch there, and uh, I think that was a really memorable win there. Um, all three of them were, but the Dakota, Dakota West Sun game especially. Um, number three, I'm going to go with um, going back to high school here. Um, I'm going to say that my sophomore year, um, the quarterfinal game uh, at state, at the state tournament, um, it was like the – the first time since 1940s and starting both made it to the state tournament. And that was our, that was our first uh, quarterfinal game. And, um, you know, we knocked off Pella that game. So that, that was a great experience there. And we ended up making the state championship, but we lost that game for St. Xavier. Uh, number two, I'm going to go ahead and put the Sioux City East game there. Um, that was, yeah, that was one of the most memorable high school games I've ever played in. Um, great atmosphere, great turnout. And then number, my number one is going to go back to the three-game stretch last year for Morningside, and I mentioned that earlier. That was already my best high, or basketball experience, um, just being able to knock off number one Morningside. Uh, that was probably my – definitely my number one um, top memorable moment. All right. Well, that is the uh, starting five category for the week. If you have any starting five category ideas or if you have any listener questions or comments, Make sure you get those into us. We didn't have any listener questions this week, uh, but you can get those to us on Twitter at BCBucketsCast, via email at BCBucketsPodcast at gmail.com, or shoot us a text, give us a call, write us a letter, send us a telegram. However you want to get them to us, that's fine. As long as you get them to us, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So a couple of things we got to do before we wrap up is get our coach's life rule and our shout out. So coach, I'm going to turn it over to you. What words of wisdom do you have for our listeners this week? Well, I don't think this was would have ever been a life rule before the last, you know, eight, nine months here. But when you're on a Zoom situation, and right now we're on Zoom, there's three of us, and it's kind of a back and forth conversation, you know, and that's all good. But when it's a meeting type situation and there's one person talking for the majority of it, for God's sakes, mute yourself. The amount of times I've been in a Zoom meeting and somebody's holding a side conversation um, you know, phones going off. It's not that hard. It, it shows you on the screen if you're muted or not. So just do it. 
Excellent advice, especially if you work in an office. That's, that's become a huge pet peeve is listening to feedback or echoes or whatever it is. I give people the benefit of the doubt, you know, on like the dog barking or something. If you hear that, then you can press mute. You know, if you catch it within a few seconds, that's fine. At least you're self-aware. But yeah, some people are just totally oblivious to the fact that they're kind of ruining the, uh, the ambiance or the flow of the discussion and it can be a real pain. Yeah. And on the flip side of it, when you have something to say, make sure you unmute yourself or you look like an idiot. Yeah. We'll give people the benefit of the doubt this first year, but you know, I, I think by the time we need you to, will, out, Matt, I won't. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, like I said, if you have any life rule, uh, questions if you want to hear coaches take on something get those to us but before we wrap things up here we uh, got to do our weekly shout outs and I'm going to do one uh, it's one I thought of last night as I was driving home from running to the store and it was probably I don't know 7 8 o'clock and uh, I was on one of the side streets that kind of leads up to my house and there was a FedEx truck stopped kind of right in the middle of the street it's a narrow street so I had to wait I was fine with that you know I was being patient I want to give a shout out to like all all of the postal workers and delivery people who are kind of busting their butts right now, working late hours on weekends uh, to deliver all of the various things that people are ordering for Christmas or for their households or whatever it is. Most people work extremely hard. And I think this time of year, especially they don't have a ton of time off. Um, so shout out to all those people. I pick up the mail for the office from the post office every morning. And I talked to Kim down there. She's great extremely friendly, even though a lot of people give her crap if they have to wait in line or, or wait for something. Shout out to those people. Remember to treat those people, your postal delivery people with respect because they're working their tails off right now. Yeah, I'm going to give a shout out this week to our student coaches, Marco Balderas and Peyton Walker. And, you know, it's well known and well talked about on the podcast that being a student coach in this program means you're going to take a lot of crap from me. And you know, that's no exception this year. But those guys do so much in terms of getting laundry done and things ready for practice, helping practice move along smoothly. Um, and 99% of the time, they're right on top of it. And the 1% they're not, they're going to hear about it from me, probably and Coach Forbes, and probably all of the players too. Um, but those guys are so invested in the program and do so much to, to help us every day. I want to give those two a shout-out. Um, I'm going to give mine to – the janitors here at school every once in a while I see them cleaning the dorms here or in the public in the cap or whatever um I just want to give them a shout out and uh, just say thanks for everything they're doing and keeping this campus as clean as possible during this pandemic and um you know it, it's uh you come down with this and it can change our basketball season so I just uh give my shout out to them for uh, doing everything they can to keep us healthy well, Connor, it was great having you on. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. You know, just a reminder to our listeners, um, Wednesday night, Morningside comes to the Newman Flanagan Center. Women will play at 6 o'clock. Men will play at 8 o'clock. And then uh, Saturday, team goes down to Fremont, Nebraska to play Midland. Two and four uh, is the uh, women's and men's times there. So, uh, Connor, real quickly, what's the, you know, what's the key to the game on Wednesday night? What's it going to take to beat Morningside this year? Um, I think we just got to come to play. Um, you know, we all know they're a great team. Um, they're, um, you know, number number seven in the nation. Um, so I just think that we need to come to play uh, locked in and uh, ready to execute what we need to do. And, uh, you know, 
on the defensive side and offensively. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, on behalf of Coach Figuera, Connor, uh, and myself, make sure you get tuned in for those games this week, and we will talk to you next week.